Welcome to Soulcraft Stories. These are conversations with people that are, in spite of the challenges, hurdles, and the mundane, are writing meaningful and fulfilling life stories. Like you and me, they have families, jobs, responsibilities, basically real life stuff we all deal with, but they aren't waiting for someday because that day might be too late to get your story started. They have in their own ways fought back against the resistance of excuses, society, laziness, and a bunch of other crap that in the end, when the final chapter is written, is meaningless anyways. They've pursued travel, overcome addictions, learn new skills, and set big goals for themselves. Their stories aren't unique, but they're unique to them. So join me as we learn from each one of them and take their insight, advice, and turn it into permission for ourselves to stop procrastinating and start writing our own great life story. Today I'm joined by my friend Rob Alfieri. Rob is a true renaissance man. He's traveled the world as a tennis coach, started multiple businesses in several different industries ranging from real estate to stand-up paddleboarding. In fact, he is the founder of the sub-series of races in Sarasota, Florida that he eventually expanded into the Red Bull Privateer Sup Adventure Race. He rides dirt bikes, free dives, and surfs. That's just the stuff he does after work. And he's now spent the last two years living in Tulum, Mexico with his fiance. So today is a fun conversation with Rob as he shares some great insights that keep him going, what it's like not only living in a foreign country, but taking advantage of its beauty as well. Finally, we'll also talk to him about the importance of staying in motion in your life as a great way to own a fulfilling story. So join me for a fun conversation with Rob Alfieri. Welcome, Rob. How you doing, man? Yeah, great. Glad to be here. Thank you. And a long time no see. We're, we've been friends for, for, for years and years, and then we, we re- reconnect after, what is it, three, four years now? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're being generous. It's probably five. <laughs> you're you're old like I am, so you know time. It's like my wife says. I'll say something. Yeah, the other day, and she said that's like three weeks ago, right? Yeah, clueless. So yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, three or four years ago. So uh, <laughs> three or four years. Uh, eight, eight, eight. You know, three, since four, I talked eight. to Brian. So <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and we're and we're gonna cover today. Rob has. Uh, done a lot in those three to four to six to seven years whatever it's been right since look at, yeah looking forward to digging in i'm going to start with a couple of just brain teaser questions if you will cool. just to kick it off tell me what is the one thing that you have that you could get rid of that i could get rid of i i that that's an easy one for me i've got a mini cooper outside my office here in tulum that i haven't driven in She's like about a year. <laughs> so I had what what is uh, applicable in Sarasota and the wonderful roads of Florida does not fly here in Tulum, where half of the roads are mud and dirt and rock. And it's got almost like a precursor for the Baja uh, 1000 race. And I've got a lowered Mini Cooper that my friend talked me into bringing down because he and his wife wanted to have something to go to the airport in. But I actually think that's probably too easy because I... I have it here and I'm allowed to drive it in Quintana Roo because it's a border state, but that's something that I could easily do without. Let me go a little bit deeper here. Maybe I think I could I could do without the TVs and the Netflix and, and everything else. And I think that would be a good thing for me to do without, right? I think uh, being, being at home and having 700 channels, immediate access to news and sporting events and everything else, 
is it's a luxury. It's, it's a luxury that you, at first, you really don't know how, how lucky you are until you get down here and then you can't watch anything live until you go to a, a sports <laughs> bar because you just don't have access to any of that stuff anymore. But I think during COVID and being inside a lot more, my fiance and I got a little into watching some series and some other stuff. But I, I think that's something that I, w- I would actually like to get rid of, <laughs> but I think it'd be it'd be it'd be really really good for me to to lose be- besides my Mini Cooper that I can't drive anywhere because it it'll fall into a, a pothole and never be able to get out. Right. <laughs> well, I'll give you a pass on the Mini Cooper. Just get rid of that thing because yeah, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have a Mini Cooper anyways. It's interesting. We have just Hulu now. It's live, basic, and we did that. Gosh, about. Right before COVID, number one, just to cut costs because start to say, all right, I have 300 channels and you watch four of them yeah. and you realize like the, the cost of it. But yeah, I started to realize you don't miss it. What You get your news and stuff through other ways. It forces you to kind of not, I don't want to say a minimalist approach, yeah. but essentialist is weeding out those things. Imagine yeah. that time you fill in with doing everything else. Well, that's when you ask that question, it's a good, it's a good question. The other things I'm kind of looking around here in my office, cause I've got boards up, I've got like a, a touring board there and a couple of different surfboards there and, and kite equipment and stuff. I'm thinking, do I need that? But that's actually my nature time. That's the time where I get out and I'm on the water or I'm diving or I'm kiting or something. And it's meditative. My girlfriend runs a spa here and is a, is a yogi herself. Does a, we, do, we get up in the morning and do yoga every morning, work out in the evenings and try to really have a nice balance in our life. And the, the TV and the other stuff and the electronic stuff is kind of superficial where it's entertaining. Right. We could always, you could always converse and you could always read and do a lot of other things. So like of, of the things that I do have with me, like I was thinking, you know, can I, maybe could I give up the surfboards or could I give up uh, you know, my dirt bike or whatever? But that's, that's actually how I experienced Tulum and, and being in Mexico. It's the, the difficulty is in stuff that we would do. I joke and say the stuff that I used to do on my way into the office, like drop off my laundry, go to the ATM, drop off a few things, pay a bill or whatever I do in 10 minutes will take you the whole day here <laughs> here in it. Tulum or a whole week. So the, the way that you stay sane is it's unimaginably beautiful. The water is amazing. The largest reef, barrier reef in the world, the second largest barrier in the reef in the world runs from Cancun to here in Tulum. Oh, wow. So to, to offset the things that we as Americans would think would be a hassle, the fact that at any point in time I run an office here, it's common to have your electricity go out every week and to, to have your, your whole staff of like seven people who are all on Zoom calls and presenting your product in the state to lose internet like that. And then you call the internet people and they're like, we don't know what happened. We'll send somebody out tomorrow, maybe the next day, <laughs> you know? So I think what really keeps your sanity in, in a, you know, a third world country is to just enjoy the beautiful things, you know, just to be out and to be on the water. And my fiance and I, Melissa, we, we talk about it too. And we're getting too into like the not getting out and visiting friends or too into not, you know, going out and, and ex- hitting a cenote in the jungle or, or, or doing some snorkeling together or free diving. We feel it, and we, we that's more like we make it make it a point to kind of get back out into nature and and really enjoy the the reasons for being here. 
you said it earlier, the luxuries of having 200 channels, but then it, it almost turns into a crutch. It's easy, but not fulfilling. Then you get back into nature and you're like being out there and ha like you said, having those things, I always look at those as, as tools. They're just a means that you're not purchasing them necessarily for, Hey, I want this new sop. Yeah. We always kind of crave that, but it's really, it's just the tool to get out yeah. to nature, to go see things, to experience those things. And sometimes it takes more effort. I mean, we have blow up paddle boards and sometimes I take just to save space. You gotta, oh, I gotta blow them up. And, it's, but once you do it and get out there, you're like, man, yeah. I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did that shit instead of watching three more episodes of God knows what on Netflix. Like yeah. I told my wife, I didn't even want to get into the next. Now that everyone's kind of getting out of COVID and you start down a path, you watch the next series that everyone's talking about. And sure enough, three weeks go by and stuff is set on the rack. <laughs> right. And, and, and I, I always have, I have to do something physical. I have to work out. I have to, to sweat. And, and I'm really in a good mental place where I'm kind of relaxed and chilled when I can exert my body. And, you know, it's kind of like maybe a puppy or a kid, right? You want right, right. run, to run them so they go to bed. Well, I, I'm the same way. You got to run me so my brain doesn't keep going a million miles an hour so I can kind of shut off. So I don't mind at the end of the day, like sitting down and, and, and sometimes you, you'll find a, a cool series. Uh, we actually subscribe to Gaia, which is metaphysical or spiritual or whatever, Netflix. And a lot of it, they have really cool series on kind of, just the origin of galaxies and a little bit about the formation of planets. And yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. So those are interesting because we feel like we learn and we can always engage in, in a good conversation after watching things like that. It's, as you said, it's the tools it's having, you know, if I want to do, if I want to go for a long run on the water, then I have a, you know, a distance board. If there's some waves and I want to go out and, and surf, then I've got 10 foot board. And if it surfs a little bit higher, then I've got to use an eight foot board or whatever. So you have different tools that allow you to be a little bit more flexible and enjoying different, different conditions that you have out on the water. With all the toys you've had, and you've been in Tulum now for about two years. Yeah. Two right? years now. Yeah. Take us back a little bit two years ago. Was this, is this your first time living abroad? For this length of time, yeah. I mean, I've uh, stayed for months at a time in Australia. I've stayed for months at a time in, in South Africa. I've, I've traveled. I used to be a traveling tennis coach as well. So it wouldn't be unheard of for me to be traveling three months straight. But this is the first time that I've been in one place for outside the U.S. for an extended amount of time. So two years. And I, I, yeah, I go, yeah it, a move where I just grabbed all my crap and threw it in a in a trailer and a couple of cars and drove from Sarasota all the way to Tulum over eight days. <laughs> First of all, what was your thought process going into it two years ago and obviously had some experience with living other places abroad, but you knew you were coming back. So it's probably a little bit different mindset, maybe some butterflies, nervousness, unknown. Yeah. Walk us I, through I, that. I think um, I was with uh, Offers.com, and we were pretty much nonstop for about five and a half years. And it, and it got to a place where we had a huge staff, big sales staff, and it was going really, really well. And being kind of a little bit of a startup junkie, after five, six years, and it's kind of on cruise control, 
I was like, a kind of what's next, right? And so I chatted with Mark and Rich and said, hey, I'm going to go work remotely in Mexico and, and mix it up. They're like, and Mark was like, you're going to do what? And Rich was like, right on, that's great. So, and I, and I had another friend, one of my best friends, Lee Hurst from, from London. He and I coached together for years. We ran a tennis, tennis academy for probably six, seven years together. We had a diamond trading business in South Africa together. And I went, came back and worked in Sarasota for a while. And Lee was spending a lot of time in Tulum with his girlfriend who's from Lyon in, in, in France. And it was very popular in Manhattan, very popular in New York as kind of a destination that was very trendy and very cultured and awoke it or whatever. And my friend had gotten into a real estate deal in New York with a group from here in Mexico that was developing heavily in Tulum and wanted people to market their condos or market their developments to a U.S. market. And they didn't have any marketing people. And, and so Lee and I said, oh, okay, well, well, we'll head that up. They were developing about four different developments in Tulum and Tulum is like absolutely exploding. There's 30,000 people here now and there are building, like every square inch you're seeing is being leveled and building. It's insane. They're, um, the airport's coming in in two years in Tulum, and they're, they're saying that it's going to be about 150,000 residents within the next four or five years. So it's exploding. So I came wow. down to kind of just work a little bit remotely, get a, get a change of scenery, mix it up a little bit, and also help my buddy launch this new company called Vector Team that we did. And it was, we expanded the scope of the business when we got here because we immediately became friends with a lot of other developers that had a lot of other projects. We probably had in our back pocket about five of the top developers that were here on the Riviera Maya and we're introducing them to uh, investment groups from Europe and the U.S. to come down and try to invest in Mexico. That was the impetus. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do a business together because he was a trusted friend and one of my best friends. We'd, we'd worked in, in other ventures before. Keep going with offers.com, even though that required less and less of my attention. And I mean, it was, it was doing unbelievably well by itself. I flew down and took a look and it, it checked all the boxes. You know, can I ride my dirt bike? Yes. Can I kite surf? Yes. Can, can I dive? Yes. Can I cave dive? Yes. Can I do all these other things? Are there, and also there's beautiful women from all over the world and I was single at the time. So I was like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm there. <laughs> right. So, and, and, and I was just starting to really get into yoga and it's, it's kind of the yoga capital of Mexico. There was just beautiful places and it's very kind of even a Bali. It's got a very Bali-esque and Mayan cultural vibe where it's going to a place and it's everything. All the restaurants are open air and there's copal burning in the background. Everything's bamboo and it's, it's really great music. And it, I think it became popular because uh, it became kind of the electronic music after people go to Ibiza, they would come here to Tulum. So for two months of the year, every D best DJ in the world was out in the jungle party with 5,000 people in the middle of the jungle. That, that was kind of the norm. I flew down here. I checked all the boxes. I went back and said, hey, guys, I'm going to be moving. They're like, okay, great. And then we packed up. I have a Subaru Outback, packed that up and put stuff in storage and packed up a trailer and took my eight, dirt bikes. Eight and days bikes. later. Eight days yeah. later, you're here. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, let's do it. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a wild trip. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's a lot of people just listen to that story, which is awesome, but it was so matter of fact for you. It seems like, I think a lot of that has to do with your background and your experiences up to that point. 
being comfortable with that. Some people struggle with moving to a new neighborhood in the same town, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it's a good question. Yeah. How did you get to the point and kind of maybe share with us a little bit of your philosophy on life in terms of, hey, I'm, I'm going to go do this. Here's something I want to try to do and how you made it work. If you had any anxieties and how you yeah. overcame that. Because I think that's what really is your your mental barometer to be able to allow you to do that. And, and first of all, I was, I was very, very lucky to be able to do it because I, I didn't have a family there in Sarasota, right? It, I was in a u- unique position of freedom where financially I was, I was okay, had, had no debt, had, had a lot of stuff, had a lot of toys. And, and literally I was just chasing kind of a, a next chapter with, uh, with, with a friend who I trusted, who I'd been in, in several businesses with before. And, and also th- throughout life, when I look back on, being part of the hub and, and being part of a lot of other other businesses, I always knew that I could sell. I always knew I was always pretty confident in my abilities, and I knew worse. I, I knew in my, like bank account wise, I could not work a year or a year and a half and and be fine. Wouldn't wouldn't be happy if, if of course the money's gone. But uh, I think I was just I've, I've always been kind of a little a little adventurous. I'd always I, I like to learn. I, I think that's the the one thing is I think it's wonderful to experience new cultures, meet new people, learn about them, learn learn a language, learn about the cultural norms here from how how they think about service and how they think about, about food and how they think about it. it's totally different. Maybe in some way I needed to have a lesson in patience, which is, which is, what, what, this is like a master class in patience if you live in, in a small town in Mexico, because the stuff is not going to happen when you want it to happen. It totally has its own time. So I think in being, being in a lot of different startups and being okay with adversity, being okay with failure, and not worrying about it and knowing that you're and, and also things like camping and being, being out in nature and noting, noticing that whether it rains or snows or whatever, you're still going to be alive tomorrow, right? Right, so, right. So uh, I was pretty comfortable. And, and again, this place is really beautiful. Just I just said, what the heck? And I was in a, uni- like I said, I was lucky. I was in a unique position where I didn't have any real tie downs. My family was kind of like, what the hell is he doing? My mother worried. If I was like running from uh, somebody, I got pregnant or debt or something like that. Why? Why are you moving to Mexico? Why are you? Go, what's What's wrong? You can talk to us. That kind of thing. I was like, No, no, I'm. I, I want to go. <laughs> it's funny because I had a recent conversation with a, with a friend of mine about that particular thing, and it's almost like now, it's the total opposite. What are you running from? What are you scared of? What did you do wrong? <laughs> yeah. It's like no, I. I just want to do this because of the opportunity of what may be what's out there to explore and experience. And it's a mindset that I think is so refreshing to hear from you is no, I'm fulfilled as it is, but there's this great big world out there and I can go explore it. I have this opportunity, even bringing back, you said the word learning. And I think that's a key point because you mentioned it when you were watching, I think it was Gaia, you mentioned the TV programming series and you watch it to relax but to learn at the same time. Yeah. And I think that learning mindset, immersing yourself, it's a lot different going and moving there than coming down for a week on vacation, staying in a all you can eat resort. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think we have we have one of those here. Uh, Playa and Cancun are a little bit more geared towards that, but yeah, I I understand exactly what you're saying. That's the the big thing that you're doing right now and 
walk us through a little bit about that immersion experience in a culture, because I think that's really fascinating to at least myself and I think a lot of other people in terms of getting to experience it, other cultures. And it goes beyond just the visit for a week, because yeah, when you take off and you do the European trip for a week or even to the state next door in the States, you can go to Montana from Florida for a week and not experience the culture. Tell us a little bit about how that, like you mentioned the patience and, and I'm with you right there. That would be a challenge <laughs> for, for me as entrepreneurs. Yeah. We when things happen yesterday. So I can imagine how tough that is. And it happens if, and when in their own time. Well, I think it definitely helped me being around a lot of friends here. Like my, my best friend Lee, uh, which is kind of funny. He and his wife moved here. We're living here. They found my apartment. There's so many beautiful areas here. It's kind of like the Instagram capital. It's one of those <laughs> photographed towns ever. Well, I think it, my, my buddy's wife was over it and she'd get bitten by one too many mosquito was out of here. So I actually moved down here. And then my, like a month later, my buddy moved back <laughs> to, to New York. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> And I did like a challenge, and I, but I had some other, a lot of other people that I met here that were really great. I mean, it's really, really an international crowd here. I have an office, and I have now someone leaving that's from, from uh, Moscow, and then I have another person from Kishinev, Moldova. So I've got two Russian speakers that work for me. I have a couple of people from Canada, a couple of Mexican nationals, people from all over the world. That kind of helped, too, where you got a little bit, of, you're in Mexico you're in a part of Mexico where the Mayan culture is very, very strong. We have ruins here in Tulum, right, right on the water. So there's a lot of this. And it's a very kind of mystical place, too. I don't want to sound kind of crystal or, or whatever or new agey, but when, I, when I'm in the mountains of Colorado or, or I'm in like Sedona, Arizona, or I'm, you're in places that are almost like energy vortexes, which are just beautiful, and you're just kind of like overwhelmed by the, the grandeur and the natural state of there, there, there's a certain feeling to that. And I think that's why that's attracted a lot of people here, here to Tulum. I felt comfortable with being around a lot of, a lot of other international people. There's a lot of other kindred adventurous spirits that are here being part of the things that you, you learn. People talk about Mexico because of drug violence or something like that. Well, I, d I don't go out a lot at night. I'm not, a, I'm not at late night raves. I don't, you know, buy, buy drugs and things like that. So I don't really come into contact with that element a lot. And most of the violence that is here in Mexico is actually kind of cartel on cartel or, or within the drug trade. And, but there are, you know, there are a lot of people that are kind of caught in the crossfire. So I think if you do live your life and you, you live it very simply, you kind of stay steer clear of that. It's, it's exciting. There's with the, the Mayan culture, I don't see a doctor here. I have a massage therapist named Leo, who's kind of, who's a medicine man. <laughs> everybody and needs a good medicine man. Everybody needs a good medicine man. You know, I had it funny. I get, I get a massage from him every, every week, but I broke my thumb and he reset it. And he's like, Oh, tenons are on the wrong side. He could feel around and yeah, it's, it's kind of like a chiropractor and they do cupping and massage and, and healing and everything. And it's just really amazing mm -hmm. guy. And he's a, an Ahito Mayan, which he's in charge of big tracts of land here, which is really interesting. They put aside massive tracts of land for the local population that is their land. I'm an hour from Chichen Itza. I'm 40 minutes from Koba. I'm 10 minutes from the Tulum ruins, which is the only ruins that are overlooking the cliffs on top of the water. 
you find out how incredibly intelligent it's kind of like when you find out about the, all the geometry and the true meaning and lies the, the the pyramids in giza and the history behind that it's the same thing here go to chichen itza and learn that there's actually another pyramid inside that is a calendar that's accurate to the minute every 50 60 years you know something like that we're like what incredible incredible yeah, and, and you, you learn all about the Mayans were the thinkers and the politicians and the people that were setting the plans and they would kind of join forces with a, a northern tribe that were the warriors that would keep them safe. And everything's right there in front of your face and it's very, very well maintained and you can see it and you're close to it every single weekend. You're, it's kind of cool being, being a part of that, that history as well. That whole experience that you just talked about and I just learned a ton that immersiveness and not taking that for granted and being down there for two years like you've been and still going out and doing those things because i think you can become complacent in a way wherever you live right. whether it's here in the states abroad and say oh i'll get to it tomorrow sarasota as you know we have the number one beach you've heard it as well as i have the beach is there i'll get to it and then before right. you know it you've moved away the kids <laughs> have moved away and you've missed that opportunity I think staying present, number one, but also walking through everything you've done. And you're an entrepreneur. You've obviously started a ton of businesses, lived different places, tried different things. Failure, I know, has come with that territory. You've fallen on your face. Many times. Many times, like I have. <laughs> and yeah. we'll continue to do so. Probably. And continue to do so. And that's, that's part of truly living and writing your own story. Yeah. What's your approach to that? How do you, because no matter who you are and we've done it and I've I'm with you and we failed at businesses and we know, Hey, we're going to start something. There's a good chance. It's not going to make it. How do you overcome that? How do you mentally walk through that? Kind of live by the credo that, you know, uh, fail often and fail early and to be able to pivot failure, isn't necessarily a roadblock. It's just kind of like you need to take another route. And, and a lot of times it's looking back, it can be the best thing that ever happened. And, and also rationalize, I can think a certain way. And if I think a certain way, is it going to move me forward? And if it's a waste of time and a waste of energy, I don't want to expend that mental energy in something that's not propelling me in a direction forward or helping me learn or help me be, be positive. So that's something that kind of helped me to be able to, okay, great, that didn't work where do we go now? Which direction we go? And what's what's next? And then put the latest iteration of the business or the latest inter iteration of yourself out right. there as you're moving along. And each day trying to have a better business model or each day trying to have a better model of yourself, a better better person to keep keep improving and keep learning. And it's okay, it's okay to make mistakes and, and not to be afraid. I'm still riding a, a dirt bike through jungles and jumping and shit, on, and I keep crashing all the time. <laughs> My girlfriend just kind of shakes her head, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, it's, but it's fun, you know, and, and right. um, I'm getting, I am getting better, you know, I am getting better. So yeah, you're, you're, you're going to fall and I'm, I'm going to, to crash, and, but, you know, the, the body heals and the, the mind heals and all just focusing on what's next. And I still battle every day on not beating myself up when I do make mistakes, right? And just trying to be patient with yourself and, and allow yourself and give yourself permission to screw things up. You touched on something that people miss in this day and age of give me the five bullet points of how to make my life better, how to make my life more fulfilling and you hear 
this concept of giving yourself a pass, being easier on yourself. But I think the reverse of that is understanding you can give yourself a pass if you're trying. Yeah. And there's a difference. You're out there trying, you're out there on the motorbike going and you're going to fall and you might break a bone at 50 some years old. <laughs> I'm 45. I know I'm about to buy a mountain bike because my kids are into it and I have a 25 year old mountain bike right now. So I'm like, I need to upgrade here to keep up with them. But the thing is, you know, I was going down some of these trails and had the same thought. I was like, gosh, I haven't fallen on a bike in way too long and I know it hurts, but that's, that's where I think you've, you can give yourself the passes when you're out yeah. there, you're exploring, you're trying, you're learning, and then you fall. Okay. I fell great. I'll get back up too often. Now I think people give themselves that, that pass from, and they're sitting on the couch doing it. Well, I don't want to try, but it's okay. Cause you know, this is the way we live. So it's, it's encouraging to hear, but that's, Go ahead. I, I was going to say that's that's actually a, a fear of mine is to get too comfortable, right? Is, is to get to a place where, and I, and I don't I don't know. I mean, I think you you ask yourself, will I will I ever like n not want to keep experiencing things that bring me joy? Finding a new virgin surf spot to to paddle into between the hurricanes and running around. And then the week before we actually had somebody break into our house and deal a bunch of computers and a bunch of other stuff and try to get into our, <laughs> try to get into our bedroom at one in the morning. And I'm like, somebody's in our house. <laughs> so, and and um, I'm, meanwhile, I'm trying to tell people that, you know, Mexico is not what you, <laughs> you think it is and you bring this up. So thanks yeah, for, sorry. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. We live in a, what's interesting, Lavaleta is part of, of, of Tulum and, and from the outside, all the buildings are really tall, concrete and have wires and whatever, but somebody was giving out the code and there's a lot of petty crime because it'd be considered to, same as Africa, same, same as India. There's a lot, there's a big massive difference between the haves and the have-nots. Normally the break-ins are when people aren't home. They they go away for two weeks and they get in and they steal a TV or blender or whatever, something like that. I don't think they really knew we were home and um, one of our windows wasn't clasping properly. So somebody got in. They used the actual, one of my nice dive lights, which they took to actually open my door and peek the dive light or peek it in. And I'm, I'm kind of a light sleeper and I ended up chasing them out with a stick. We wait, were wait, kind with of, a stick? You said? Yeah. So we, we have nothing sticks. else, just a stick. <laughs> so we have a lot of it. One, one of the best, uh, one of the best um, um, security measures is when you shut your screen door to put a stick in the side so they can't, they can't open the screen door from the other <laughs> side because the stick is blocking it. So I, and I didn't know my only fear was that there was some type of weapon that, that they may have had if it, and if they're not startled, they take what they want and they leave. Mm -hmm. um, but, but if I was a startle or threaten them, then maybe out of fear or whatever, they'd use a weapon. So I went and as he was peeking around my bedroom door with his head in my flashlight, I kicked the door and smashed it as hard as I could. So it would hit into him and startle him. And then he bolted kind of out the back door and I grabbed the, the stick and kind of ran after him. But I don't know. It, had they pulled <laughs> some type of weapon, I would have had no idea what to do. I would have had a stick in my hand. So... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we were, we were a little out of bends, uh, um, having two weeks of being kind of out of our routine. And so we just talked about it last night and then we were like, listen, this, this weekend, let's go to Shpuha, which is about a half, it's half, it's a beach about, you know, 30 minutes north of here. 
that you swim out about 300 meters and you're in another world. It is just absolutely crystal clear, pristine coral reef with hundreds of different species of corals. And some of, some of the areas you can't even swim through, it's like pathways because even though you're in five feet of water, the coral is growing up so much that, and that was kind of like, it was, it was we were tatting, it was like, listen, we, we've had two weeks of upheaval. We've had two weeks where we couldn't sleep because we thought people were breaking into our place, right? And we've had another, the second week was running all over the place because we feel we're gonna get hit by a hurricane. So it was like, we need, we need a grounding weekend. We need, we need a weekend that reminds us why we're here and why this place is special. Um, so we're like, we're gonna go, go snorkeling and do some free diving this come weekend and kind of get back to what, what makes us feel special and what, what, what kind of, I guess, what, I guess what kind of creates a bond between us and this location is the appreciation for the, the, the beautiful reef and the fish and the, and, the, and the turtles and the rays and everything that we get to see. That was that word bond though, is really kind of neat that you said that and you use it in terms of a location, but I think a lot of people can empathize and relate to that in terms of a bond. We think bond between people and that's certainly important, but a bond between your passions, what, what you care about and thinking more along those lines. And we started this because that was actually my next question. You led right into it. You know, what are you afraid of? And you really said, I'm afraid of not growing, of not doing, of yeah. not being, of not exploring, of not bonding, of removing myself from this world kind of emotionally and, and mentally invest in it. And that's going to create scars and it's going to create broken bones and scary moments. Chances of somebody breaking your house where you lived up in Sarasota to where you are now are probably smaller. You could live in a smaller bubble and protect yourself from those yeah. things. But you choosing to go down there knowing that you're going to expose yourself. It's all about exploring, but it's taking the calculated risks. And he chased him away with the stick. So it, it all ended well. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like, am I summarizing it right in terms of your fear is not doing that, of turning around when you can't do those things in any, anymore in your life and saying, gosh, I wish I still engaged in those. I think it's com complacency, not striving to do your best. The more you learn, the more you understand you know nothing at all. I'm lucky that I have a fiance and a partner in my life that is, is kind of always keeping me in check. I think I'm, I'm kind of kept in check on what's really important. And just sometimes when you can feel getting off track and that's a, the fear is that I don't realize how important the small things are to take time and to meditate or take time and do yoga, feel such a difference in your body and how tight your body is and how you're storing that energy and you're storing that fear. When you get back to a nice healthy routine of really eating well and, and resting and and taking care of your mind and taking care of your body. Nature is a big charging station, you know, <laughs> and going out and being in it, you're getting 10 times more from nature than, than you're possibly putting out and in, into it. That, that's the fear is getting caught up in the BS on what's really not important about life. Maybe it could even be business too, where you're, you're so focused on it that you neglect other parts of your life. But I think that my biggest fear is being out of balance, being lopsided in one direction. That could be in the other direction too. That's in, in nothing but doing the other thing where I always like to feel that I'm productive, having this ambition to always kind of succeed or to create. 
but I feel that being out of balance is probably the thing that I hope that I can always have a, a nice equilibrium and feel good and mentally, spiritually, um, and physically. Balance, that's a key word. We've got a lot of key words today. Thank you, Rob. I'll ask you one last question because this is really about holding the pen in your story, which you're clearly doing. What does your story mean to you and what would you like it to mean to others when you're gone? Ah, uh, good question. Yeah, I think my whole life, I've always compared myself to my father. My father was a commander in the Navy and also a successful business person as well and, and really provided a, a very nice and safe and nurturing environment for, for my family. That was always my, my primary goal is to kind of live up. And, and maybe that's every boy, right? You kind of live, live up to be like dad, be the provider and, the, and successful or try to be even more successful than dad. If there's anything about my story, what it means to me is to, no matter what, just keep trying, keep learning, keep experiencing. The world's a really magic place and to keep expanding your horizons. I think the best gift that my parents gave me that, that I will try to impart to my children that I can thoroughly advocate uh, to other people as well is when I was in college or about to go to college, my, my parents said, you can travel for a year you can do it after your high school or you can do it after college and, and we'll help you with that. We've, we've been saving for it for a long time, but we really feel you're in this little bubble and you need to grow. And so I decided to do it after college. I was a, a little bit of a spoiled fraternity boy that played tennis at George Mason University <laughs> and was in this little suburbia DC Narnia with little rich kids going to school. And I did not grow up, even though I was 20, 21, I didn't grow up until I backpacked around Australia for a year and learning to be on your own, learning to be self-sufficient, learning to that the world's a magical place and doesn't really give a shit where you're from or who you are. <laughs> That's actually when I, when I grew up and my perspective on life and adventure, the education that the world offers and just the bumping into people and the serendipitous things that made my life move in the direction that it did was just amazing. And it always happened when I was in motion. It always happened when I was traveling. There's one kind of commonality or story is who I was and where, where I went and what I attempted to do. Moving forward to other people is get uncomfortable as, as much as you can. <laughs> get uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you're not learning. I feel good about myself when I'm really friggin' uncomfortable and I bear down and learn something. It can be uncomfortable as a personal issue with a relationship. It can be uncomfortable with lifting weights. It can be uncomfortable with doing and trying to do a new thing on my dirt bike or on the surfboard or whatever. But once you get through that, you, when you're on the other side of that adversity or the other, you're on the other side of that uncomfortableness, it just, just makes your whole life, it, it's funny, but just different things happen. You know, the different things in life happen. New doors and new opportunities open up. Um, you become a different person. And then because of that, you're, you're, you vibrate differently. You attract different people. You attract different things. And I always have to remind myself of that to keep doing that. So, so travel, be open, and never stop learning is probably what I'd like to pass on. That's awesome. And as Rob said it, the key takeaway, uh, among many nuggets that Rob just left for us all, stay in motion. Rob's life has been about staying in motion and that's where the growth happens. And anytime something's moving, 
things are going to break down, but you're on that journey and writing that story. We didn't even get to touch on a fraction of Rob's <laughs> other endeavors. So at some point, we'd love to have Rob back. Rob, no this has, has been awesome. Uh, cool, thanks brother. so much for your time, man. It's been great thanks, Brian. catching up over four or five Absolutely. years or six oh, years. Oh, after our three years, right? Yeah, three years. We'll say <laughs> three, it, ten, whatever. ten, whatever it's been. But <laughs> thanks, Rob. And we will have Rob on again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks again, Brian. Have a great day, brother. What a great conversation with Rob. Some good thoughts to put in the old upper story. Rob has a favorite quote that is, the best journeys answer questions you didn't know to ask before you left. And I think it summarizes his approach to life. When you consistently seek out new experiences and situations where you can learn and you uncover more questions, pursuing answers to those questions about the world, yourself, and your place in it are what makes the journey fun and more importantly, your story more meaningful. Thanks for tuning in to Soulcraft Interviews, and if you'd like to be notified of when the latest podcast is released and other goodies we'll be adding along the way, head over to soulcrafttribe.com and drop your name and email. Until next time, have a great day and keep writing your story.